The views, information, and opinions expressed during the Aces Up the Sleeve podcast are solely those of the individual guests or hosts and do not necessarily represent those of Pocket Aces Racing LLC or Lilium Garland Media nor any other mentioned parties. Opinions expressed are not necessarily endorsed by the hosts, Pocket Aces Racing LLC or Lilium Garland Media. The Aces Up the Sleeve podcast is provided for private entertainment purposes only. Aces Up the Sleeve assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of the episode. While we do our due diligence to the best of our abilities, the information contained is provided with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. Any advice or opinions provided by or expressed by our guests are those of said guests and said guest alone. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Aces Up the Sleeve. I'm Patty, co-hosting with the co-managing partner of Pocket Aces Racing, or PAR for the quick reference, Jared Shoemaker. And today we are joined by Kevin Noltmeyer. He is the uh, farm manager and head trainer of Silver Springs. We are good friends with the folks over at Silver Springs. We love Silver Springs training, so we are very happy that he has made time out of his busy day to join us today. Um, Kevin, we'll start with you. How are you doing today? And Jared, when you want to chime in after Kevin, you can tell us how you're doing. <laughs> doing well. We had a good day. Um, you know, the, the winter's becoming upon us. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we had, we had a good day in spite of that. And sun's out so it's a nice day man you got to be miserable because you, you're you're like bundled up cold when it's 80 degrees out so <laughs> correct that is right just yeah miserable. I, uh i own quite a few pairs of uh duck filled car, car hearts i'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> and i wear them quite often i, I believe it because it, and it's always it always is colder out there than it is in most other places in lexington it's kind of like kingdom you know it's 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 five degrees ten degrees colder there than anywhere else so right um, but the, yeah oh so uh, i'm patty i'm doing great you know it's uh it's the week after thanksgiving ha, uh, stuffed myself with turkey last week how still <laughs> stuffing myself with turkey we had the uh, leftovers and um <laughs> we're about to polish them off but uh yeah just uh Enjoying, uh, enjoying a sunshiny day. If uh, if you do hear some disturbances outside, I've got tree service taking some trees down that had <laughs> that had had died uh, over the last year or so. And um, yeah, those so those are coming down. So it's a little bit noisy out there, but I think yeah. it's, it doesn't seem too bad in here. So. Well, see, and that's yeah. that's the benefit of me having a dog the size of a small pony. I just fed him all the leftovers, and I don't have that problem at my house. <laughs> there you go. I do. Uh, love the leftovers. Yeah, we just lunch. travel, so there's no leftovers for us. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. I can do leftovers for like a day. Because you're like my brother, Jared. My brother can just eat leftovers day after day after day, where it's like I get tired after like the second, and I'm like, nope, I am yeah, done with yeah, team yeah, leftovers. I, I'm like uh, like they talk about in the Christmas story, you know, turkey, turkey hash, turkey... Uh, you know, turkey sandwiches, turkey this, turkey that, you know. <laughs> turkey mac and cheese. <laughs> you got to get rid of it somehow. Oh, all right. Well, before we start talking about our turkey recipes, uh, we're just going to keep, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. We're going to just do our usual little introduction here. So in this podcast, 
We're going to shed light on all things Pocket Aces. We're going to talk about the finer points of Syndicate ownership. We're going to discuss what you all, the fans and the partners, have asked us to talk about. We're going to bring on guests like Kevin um, to talk a little bit about, you know, what they do in their day-to-day lives, how their operations run, and then hopefully by the end of it, you're a little bit more enlightened, inspired, or entertained. Um, and Jared, just kind of before we get going with Kevin, do you have any availability updates you want to talk about today? Uh, Temple City Magic is almost sold out. Okay. So if uh, anybody is listening this uh, listening to this tomorrow, because we're recording Tuesday, it's going to play tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And if you've been thinking about Temple City Magic, why we still have uh, a little bit left in her, I don't know. But we're, we're, we're at yeah. 5%, and I've had uh, several calls about her over the last day or so. So if you've been putting it off, now is the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, everybody's gotten the, um, the email notification about uh, our, our one partner who's having some – who's a – uh, child is having some health issues and unfortunately uh, they're having to disperse a lot of their shares and ownership. So um, we got a lot of those that are still available. So you can get in get involved for some very, very inexpensive uh, prices right now on, on some, on some nice horses. So uh, okay. that's about it on that end. Alrighty. So then let's go ahead and get rolling into our, uh, our sit down with Kevin today. So, from what I've heard, Jared, you got you and Kevin have kind of discussed what you have wanted to to delve into and, and things you wanted to touch on. So if you want to take the reins here, Jared, you know, sure. I'll I'll turn it your way and we can get rolling. Yeah, you know, I think the first and foremost, you know, we send out the weekly updates uh, all the time. And, and, and I say Kevin all the time. And, you know, it's Kevin says this. Kevin tells us this. Kevin uh is feeling really good about this one, blah, blah, blah. And, and so a lot of people, though, they don't, you know, they, they they know who you are because they, you know, they see the updates and a few of them have been out there and they've met you at the open houses or just uh, when they come out to visit. But a lot mm-hmm. of our partners, you know, they don't really know anything other than you're Kevin and you train the horses at Silver Spring. So uh, okay. we'd love for you to just give a, an introduction of yourself, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of your background, how you how you got into the horse business and, uh, you know, just kind of just kind of go from there. Okay. So yeah, I'm from Louisville, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. I grew up about 20 minutes from Churchill. Uh, so kind of more on the east side of town there. Um, and just growing up, you know, my my dad, he was a businessman in Louisville and he would take his clients a lot of times to the races. You know, they had a corporate box up there and a lot of days he would take me with them. And so that's how I first got introduced into it, uh, you know, more on the front side, the gambling. And I just I just fell in love with it. So I graduated from high school and uh, I went to work on the track uh, two days later um, and I've, I've never left. Um, you know, I was I was going through accounting school um, while I was in the first part of, you know, doing that. And then I got a job offer in Chicago as an assistant. Uh, so at at 19 years old, I packed up all my stuff and I moved to Chicago and then just kind of bounced around from there. I spent a year in New York and then I spent two years in California, you know, working for Todd Pletcher, worked for Dallas Stewart and uh, Owen Hardy uh, out in California. So, um, you know, I worked for some good teachers. You know, those guys were all very good to me. Got my start with Paul McGee uh, way back in the day, still you know, still kicking around, still training. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then me and my current wife, we <clears throat> kind of want to settle down. So we moved back to Lexington. I worked a yearling prep season for Lane's Inn. And then uh, I was at Margo for four years, actually. 
um, during the whole build of the facility. Uh, I took a private training job. I thought that was, you know, going to be better. So I worked uh, as a private trainer for two years. And then uh, before I came to Silver Springs and, you know, kind of settled down. So you, you've been at the track, you've been at the training center, you know, the Silver Springs Training Center now. So obviously very, very different, I assume very different in terms of lifestyle. You're not having to be at the track, uh, you know, at, at 4 a.m. every day. But just just to right. talk a little bit about, the, you know, the difference. And, and you know, have you thought or do you have a desire to, to get back to the track or, or race off the farm or anything like that? Or you, does this, is this kind of you found you found your home, you think? Yeah, I, I did. I found my home. I, I really like this. You know, the four o'clock mornings, it's hard on you. You know, we're still working seven days a week and we're still putting in, you know, nine, 10 hours a day. You know, it is it is still quite a bit of work. But, you know, the farm lifestyle, I like a lot more. You know, you don't have to move around very much. You know, still do travel quite a bit for work. You know, when I was growing up on the track, I remember I was in Saratoga, New York. I, I had an apartment um, I had set everything up and uh, I walked into work at four o'clock in the morning uh, to Dallas Stewart's barn. He said, I need you to rub some horses for me at Churchill. I said, well, Churchill's 13 hours away. <laughs> and he said, right. So you better get on the road. And I had to go home, break my lease, pack my car. And I was at work the next morning at Churchill Downs. So I got in at, I think midnight and I was back you know, to work at four o'clock the next morning. So, you know, that's just kind of the racetrack lifestyle. You never know where you're going to be the next day. I mean, it was the same way. I was out in California and um, Owen came to me, Owen Hardy. We had Victor's Cry running over in Dubai and he came to me and he said, hey, uh, I need you to go to Dubai for me in two days. I was like, well, I don't even have a passport. And he was like, well, <laughs> the post office is right down the street. See if you can get it done. Well, wow. It's just, you never know where you're going to be the next day. So kind of the the, the more stable lifestyle, uh, me and my wife really like. Well, certainly more conducive now that you've got some kids. Yes. So yeah, that is for one, sure. right? one, one girl. One girl. Yeah. 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 So that, uh, yeah, the, I, I don't know how uh, the guys and, and women at the track, I don't know how they handle families because it's just, it's just such a brutal, brutal lifestyle. It is. Uh, but you know, with all that being said, I would have never have traded my time for anything. Sure. Um, you know, it, it, deep in my soul, I would love to go back, but you know, the, you know, reality kind of hits when you start thinking about it, like you can't do that. You just yeah. can't do it. But just the, the action, the constant action is just, I mean, it's a, it's a sickness, you know, right. I, I miss it every morning. You know, I still wake so, up at 30 in the morning and I still miss it every morning. So any thoughts of ever training off the farm or is that something that you guys could do or just the, the configuration there make it a little bit tough because, you know, especially the, the potential missing days for weather and things like that. Right. So we have, we ran, uh, let's see, we ran five horses off of the farm uh, last winter um, and we ran about the same the winter before as well. You know, just to kind of, you know, give us a change of pace, you know, yeah. in the wintertime, you have the babies, um, you know, the yearlings are fun with the whole breaking and everything like that. But, you know, you do need that action, you know, you're not breezing horses anymore. There's, you know, it's just you're watching horses go, you know, just gallop around in circles, and you're looking, you know, for them to step up and, 
you know, there's some very intricate things that you're looking for and that you get excited about, but it's nothing like, you know, running, you know, six furlongs and, and 110 with the horse that came off the farm. Right. But you, we cannot do that in the age of HISA, uh, unfortunately. So with the regulations on medication and the out-of-competition testing and everything like that, we just can't do that here at the farm. You know, and I've talked to him about it before, you know, just trying to get some rules changed or, you know, not changed, but uh, more lenient for mm. for training farms like us. And, you know, it's, thing things happen. You know, I had a horse, you know, gallop one day. He had bad allergies. I knew it. Like when it was heavy air and pollen, he would cough a lot. Um, and that day, uh, it was very, very humid. It was very, very hot. We galloped him. And he came back and he was bleeding from the notes. Mm -hmm. You know, I had medications here on the farm, but, you know, I didn't know exactly what it was. So I called a vet and I said, hey, can you get out here and uh, and treat this horse? He said, yeah, 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 sure. I'll be there in an hour. And I was like, okay. I mean, he's bleeding from his head. Right. <laughs> so so I had to give him drugs here. So if, if HISA were, to, if I were to be under the ruling of HISA, and uh, they would have been aware of that. I would have gotten what a five-year ban with a two hundred thousand dollar fine or something like that. So we, we're just not set up um, to do that, you know, with vets and everything like that. Okay. So just you know, speaking of uh, you know, watching horses go around in circles. Before we get too much further into some of the other questions I've got for you, give us a quick update on on the pocket aces horses, uh, the, the two yearlings. And then uh, a couple of two-year-olds that we still got at the farm. Yeah, I guess so. In particular, do the yearlings first. You know, they're they're okay. at, they're on the, they're headed to the track now, right? Uh, yes. So they're they've been doing really really well. Uh, we've had them galloping out in fields. Uh, I like to start out in fields. It's kind of a personal preference on the the breaking process. So they yeah they're going to the track this week, um, and they're they're both doing fantastic. Um, you know, the McKenzie filly is a big imposing filly, uh, has a good way of moving. She's very smart, uh, but she's also, you know, just very alert. Um, she, she's constantly wanting to learn. Um, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. So, uh, she, she seems like she's a little bit precocious, maybe a little bit early, um, even with her size. Uh, she definitely doesn't look like she's got a ton of growing left to do. She looks no. like she's she's there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, she's pretty flat through her back and, you know, very good looking Philly, uh, the dialed in Philly, you know, she does her job, uh, you know, does everything the right way. Um, hasn't had any missteps. She was galloping out in the fields as well, but she's going to the track this week. She, the light bulb just hasn't come on for her yet. You know, she hasn't done anything wrong. You know, she's done everything right. But, you know, like I was talking about with the McKenzie Philly, you can just kind of look into her eye and she's very aware of what's going on and just wanting the next step, the next step, the next step. Whereas, you know, the dialed in Philly, she's going to be possibly just a little bit later in the season, you know, just because we need that light bulb to come on for her. But she, she's doing great. Looks like she is going to grow quite a bit this winter. You know, that's another thing that we look for. We were we were talking about the McKenzie Philly, how she's probably not going to grow a whole, whole lot more. And generally, those are the horses that are a little bit more precocious, whereas the types that are the dialed in that look like they're going to grow a lot over the winter, you know, they they need to develop mentally as well. 
you know, it all kind of correlates. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, she's coming along and, uh, you know, I really like her frame. She has a great body. looks like she's going to do well, you know, don't have any knocks about her. The it's chemistry baby. She's doing really good. She's been galloping very strong. We're going to work her, uh, this weekend coming up a couple of good, uh, weather days ahead of us. And then we'll, uh, we'll get a work into her and hopefully send her up to Ethan. Yep. And then hyperbolize. He's doing fantastic. I uh, couldn't, couldn't be asking for him to do any better. You know, he's feeling really well. The new, new meds seem to be helping him out. Yes. Yeah, they do. So, um, yeah, we have him on, you know, quite a few of the gastric medications right now. Uh, and, and Dr. Slovis was talking to him the other day and he, uh, he wants us to be able to wean off of those a little bit before we get to working on them, uh, you know, breezing them. And um, so, probably another 10 days or so, you know, we'll be looking for another recheck and another work. Okay. Mama Lou is looking fantastic. She's looking awesome. You know, the eye is really coming around. Uh, she, she's very comfortable. Um, we got her into a uh, paddock with a buddy for the first time today. She was out with a fly mask to where that wind really couldn't hit her or anything. Uh, she's, she's doing excellent. I, I want to give you and Joey just mad props for the way you guys worked with her. Cause I mean, we, we asked a lot of you guys and it took a lot of dedication and a lot of hard work uh, and just around the clock care and attention to save that Philly's eyes. I mean, it, her eye, it was, I mean, just, there was at no point was I really thinking that it was going to, that she was going to be able to keep it. And I just, you know, you guys did a phenomenal job of doing everything that she needed done and, and doing it around the clock and just you know, thank you guys so much. I, I cannot, uh, cannot express my gratitude enough. And, and I, and our people that are listening need to know the dedication that you guys showed uh, to make that happen. Cause that's, that's going above and beyond of, of anything that I think we've ever asked anybody to do, uh, at, at one of the farms for us before. So just th well, thank you so much. Well, thank you. And, but she was, she was a good patient the whole time. You know, she just, uh, anything that you asked her to do, she did. Um, but you know, Joey would say the same thing. You know, um, Joey, the assistant out here, he would say the same thing. We're, I mean, we're in this for the horses. We love the horses. And I've told you this a few times as well. Like yeah. we're, we're not here to, you know, buy a gaudy mansion with a, with a yacht and a lake house. You know, we're, we're, we're here for the love of the horse for sure. So. And it, and it definitely, definitely shows. So uh, anyway, but much, much, much appreciated. Yeah. You mentioned kind of your, your philosophy, I know or not philosophy, but you know, one of your preferences on, on the breaking and, and the early stages of training, getting them out in the field. Just talk to us a little bit more about just your overall approach and the philosophy to, First, the, the initial breaking and training, and, and then, you know, taking it when they're ready to go on over to the track and start, or to the, to the main farm and start getting ready for the track. Just, uh, you know, obviously the horse first, as, as you've mentioned, but uh, just kind of some other other things that you guys do that might be a little bit different than maybe some other places do, or, or, or something that you all really hang your hat on. Okay. So we, we do a lot of work with desensitizing and, you know, just, just allowing the horse, you know, because when you're... We, the, the technical term of breaking 
I don't like it. You know, you like to use the word starting, but the technical word of breaking is you're, you're breaking the horse's spirit um, from, because you're putting a dead animal on the horse's back. Uh, you know, in, in, in the wild, when they're attacked, the animals jump on their back and, you know, so, so that's kind of a flight thing anyway, you know, putting a saddle on, putting a rider on. Uh, so we spend a lot of time with the desensitizing, uh, of, you know, s something on their back. And I like breaking them out in the fields because, you know, when they're on the track, they see rail to rail and they really don't have a whole lot of time to think for themselves. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're just in flight mode a lot of the time. And this is my opinion. Um, you know, this is not science, but uh, they're just in flight mode kind of all the time. Um, whereas when, so we work with their, you know, with their heads and everything like that, and just making them feel really, really comfortable before we even get them out of the stall for the first time with a rider on them. But the reason that I like going out into the fields a lot is I'll, I'll go out there and, you know, watch them. And you'll see these horses and their ears are just pricked and, um, you know, wide eyed and they're not listening to anybody. You know, they're in flight mode for sure. And so we have them galloping out in those fields and really kind of work with them and, uh, you know, take ponies out with them, older horses. And what I'm looking for is them to be very relaxed out in the fields and their ears twitching the whole time. Um, you know, with their ears twitching, they're just, they're waiting for the rider to tell them what to do next. And at that point you can, they're very comfortable in their surroundings and they're listening to you rather than their flight mode. And at that point is generally when we'll bring them over to the track and start going with them. And you can see it, you know, on the track as well, that the, their ears are flicking the whole time, just, just waiting for the next move. Uh, so, so our biggest philosophy is, you know, you, you're, you're kind of taking the horse out of the horse when you start to break them, but we want to develop that back into them as well. You know, let them be horses again, uh, just with a rider on. That's kind of our philosophy. And, you know, we've, we've, we've had good results, you know, with people, people saying like, we took the horses out to the track for the first time today. And, you know, they were the... <laughs> One of, one of the guys that we send horses to, he always calls me and goes, oh, man, those things went out there They're like a bunch of soldiers, just mm -hmm. line by line all the way down and didn't turn a hair. So, um, you know, we, we, we pride ourselves on that and we really appreciate when people, you know, call and tell us that. Uh, that's great. Um, I know um, Oathbreaker had his first uh, work down at the fairgrounds this morning and Steve said he just went like a champ, you know, just he, he walks around that place like he owns it. So, right. Um, well, and Jessica from the aftercare group also had a lot of nice things to say for like after their career. One of the things she said was you can tell that they've been really well started and that they have a really good base underneath them because they can introduce, you know, these the, these retired horses to crazy giant inflatable things and put a tarp over their head and do all these crazy things. And they, for the most part, they don't care. They don't turn a hair. They're like, all right, cool, whatever. So uh, a lot of our, our aftercare people have had really good things to say about the program as well. I'd like to chime in. <laughs> great. That's great. And we love to um, hear it. We love to hear yeah, it. Absolutely. So you mentioned something and, I, and you know, talking about like watching for the ears out mm -hmm. in, in, when we're in the field. And you also mentioned something earlier, you know, about the, you know, uh, the dialed in field, the light hadn't come on yet. And, you know, you and I had conversations about, 
um, you know, Oathbreaker when, you know, he just for so long, it looked like he was just kind of going through the motions and then, and then the light came on and you talked about, you know, looking for different things as just, as opposed to just, you know, you're watching horses go in a circle all the time. And I think for people that don't watch horses train regularly, uh, I think it's very easy for them to just think, oh, wow, that, you know, the horse gallops by, the horse looks great, looks really yeah. good. You know, right. because they don't know a lot of things they're looking for. So, you know, beyond looking for the ears when they're out in the field, you know, you know what what was it about Oathbreaker's work that made you think, okay, he's he's finally starting to get it. Uh, you know, we had we've watched Chemical Reaction and Carousing both have Chemical Reaction, it's Chemistry Baby. Uh, you know, we watched both of them, you know, out there have works, and everybody turned around and looked at each other like, wow, that one was something. And and but I think for a lot of times, maybe just the the you know, the. I, the, the one carousing work, I had some friends out there that don't know anything about horses and we're all blown away by the work. And they're just like, well, that, what was so special about that? You know, right. so just kind of talk about some of those things. So it's it, I look at uh, when when a horse is coming down the lane, when they're breezing or galloping, I'm I'm mainly focused on their head. Like, you know, the, the time will tell you all that you need to know. Um, so I'm mainly looking at their head. I'm looking for their ears um you know you just kind of want them twitching back and forth or if they get into a really good rhythm uh you want them to be straightforward uh you never want them just kind of pinned to the back of their head uh so they're so basically when a when a horse's ears are forward they're you know they're doing it on their own you know they don't they're not really listening a whole lot to the rider uh they're just kind of in cruise control and, um, you know, that's very good to see because, you know, the, I'm sure you've heard it from trainers before. They did it all on their own. And that's just that their ears are forward. You know, they weren't really paying attention to the rider. They weren't waiting for another cue. They were just into a good rhythm and they were moving forward. Um, and generally when you, when you see that, uh, you can see their eye too. It looks very bright. Uh, so their eyes are wide open. You know, they're having fun. And so when they, when the ear is twitching, they're starting, you know, to kind of get tired. They're waiting on the cue to when they can pull up. And sometimes that's not a bad thing, but, uh, you know, there again, you kind of want, want to look into the eye and just see if it's bright, alert, you know, if they're, the horse is overall happy. Um, and then you got them to where it's flat back and they're just like, please make me stop. Please make me stop. <laughs> Uh, you know, just because they're tired and they just don't really want to do it. And generally that'll reflect in the time as well. Uh, and then you can, you can kind of look into their eye and it's just a little more glassy, a little more, you know, dead in the eye type thing. And so, you know, that's, I'm looking at the head for the most part. I'm looking at the ears, I'm looking at the eyes and, you know, how they're carrying themselves, you know, all together, you know, and, and when, Last time Oathbreaker was uh, out here and we said that was really good work. His time really didn't change. His time didn't change and his action didn't change. But you saw him, you saw him in the eye. You know, he just looked happier. He looked like this is this is what he was, you know, born to do. It's just it's the little details like that that, you know, kind of get you excited. But tracks change. You know, the first race of the day at Churchill is going to be a lot of times faster than the last race of the day at Churchill just because, you know, of how the track is, is being run that day. So, you know, time doesn't really matter. It's all about the horse's attitude, how they're traveling, overall, how they're carrying themselves. 
you know, you it's kind of like you look at a, you could dress two people up in suit and ties. One's a CEO of a Fortune 500 company and one's a mechanic that you just put a suit on. And, you know, they're going to carry themselves a little bit differently. Just a confidence. Yeah, and I think that's that's the biggest thing. You, you can just, when you when you watched enough, you can see when they do it easy, you know, and they just, like you said, they're just kind of in that cruise control and and they're just, they look like they're lighting it up, but they're not working that hard to do it, you know. And right. That's, that's a big thing, so. Yeah. Um, so you got a lot of horses that come in. They they're they're there for a little bit. You do a little bit with them, then they they ship them out real quick. And then the others that come in and they stay for a while. You get the mm -hmm. babies come in and you start with them from the beginning and you stick with stick with them until they, you know, they head off to the racetrack. So, and, and you guys got what 140 horses on the farm right now, or 130 something like that. At least that's what it was at one point this summer. In training, yes. In training, how in the world? do you guys keep up with what they're all doing <laughs> and, and, and getting, to, getting to know all the ins and outs and the idiosyncrasies of them? Um, it just, I can't keep track of the 30 horses that we got half the time. How in the world can you guys keep track of all those horses? Uh, so, yeah. So if you, if you ever, if you ever see me, I always carry, um, uh, a printed Excel file in my pocket, you know, with all the horses, their locations, you know, sires, dams, and everything like that. And then I'll have notes off to the side, you know, when's their recheck dates? When did they start training? Uh, you know, when did they arrive? You know, I can kind of tell a lot from that as well, you know, because you've seen enough surgery reports to where, you know, they're either going to get 30 days off, they're going to get 60 days off, 90 days off, or 120 days off. You know, there's not a whole lot of in between. So a lot of times you can kind of look at the arrival date and say, well, this horse had 60 days off. So it was September. They started in October or November. And then, you know, we're now in December. So they've had 30 days of training. So, you know, you could kind of just back it up that way. But, you know, I keep a lot of notes and everything like that uh, about the horses and, you know, what's going on. And I always carry that in my pocket. Um, and I give Joey one as well. It's fun. You know, somebody said something to me the other day. They said, I don't know how you do this. You know, you just, it, it's all turnover and, you know, there's a lot of space rented in your head. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, it's fun. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's like somebody gives you a 10,000 piece puzzle and says, I give you, you know, three minutes to do this. You know, we have 30 days, you know, we have to figure out the entire horse's health or attitude, you know, the entire situation about an animal that can't talk. Uh, we have to figure everything about them in 30 days so that we can, you know, give them the best treatment possible. Yeah, it, it is. Um, Kevin also carries, he's also got uh, yellow legal pads scattered all over the place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Notes jotted down, half sheets of paper ripped off. Yep. <laughs> uh, so if you're thinking back, you know, you've been in this been doing this for a while now, like you said, since you were 19 years old uh, when you started as an assistant. You know, other than, you know, the obvious, of, you know, HISA and all that stuff that's going on now, what are some of the big changes that, that have occurred and, you know, have they, have, changed, have they been changes for the better? They've been changes for the worse. You know, what, what, what how, how are things different than they were from when you were 19 years old? Um, it's, it's, um, you know, moved from the wild west to the wild east for sure. But the, a lot's changed, you know, the purses and everything like that. 
uh, I think the purses are going to be good for us. Yeah, uh, not just because of the money, but um, it, it gives it gives small trainers a chance to survive, right? So I think a lot of the stuff that bad was happening in this business was just because people are hungry. You know, like I like I said earlier. You know, this is a sickness. I mean, it's I wouldn't trade this out for anything in the world. And I'm working, you know, the 365 days a year, you know, 10, 10 hours, sometimes 12 hours a day. And but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Uh, and, you know, some of these small time trainers, you know, they just, you know, back in the day, you know, 15 years ago, if you want to race. Oh, man. I mean, even at Churchill or Indiana, let's just say Indiana. Back then, the maiden special weights were running for $19,000. Or Turfway Park in the winter. Yeah, or Turfway Park in the wintertime. You know, they were running for, it was $17,000. I mean, it was just yeah, awful. Ma maiden 30s, the purse was $11,000 for a maiden 30. Right. It was yeah. nice. And, and back in the day, you know, it's just, I mean, that's how you ate. You know, and yep. you you pay, and and the prices really haven't changed that much over the years. Sure, day rates gone up a little bit and stuff like that, but you know it's always been right there around you know twenty five hundred to you know twenty five hundred fifteen years ago. Now it's you know thirty five hundred, but uh, but still, you know if if you win that purse, and you know that horse had a couple months off. And you got to pay for the next month coming up as well. You know, that's five grand. You know, the purse was 17,000. So, what, you're getting 9,000, uh, $8,500. But you already have 6,000 into it, you know, you and you don't know when you're going to be able to run again. So, you know, you, it's enough for a ham sandwich. So people... People were, you know, cheating back then just because that's, that's that's how they could go through McDonald's after a race. You know, if you finish second, you lost money. Yeah. Now, if you finish fifth, you lost money. You know, it doesn't pay for itself if you finish fifth. But back then, if you finish second, you know, you, you couldn't, you didn't even have the cash in your pocket to go to McDonald's. You know, I think that the the purse structure in that sense is going to, is going to make people a lot more. Uh, clean nosed and then the high set as well you know i'm a 75 80 percent believer in high so um i'm not all the way but uh you know i've had i've had talks with people within the high organization and they do have a good idea and they they want to see this uh this sport succeed you know they're just there's like i said there's 20 percent that i just don't agree with sure well it's uh no, we can have a whole we can have a whole two or three hour discussion on Heisa, but uh, yeah, it, the 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 intent I, I certainly agree with because there's there's definitely too much going on uh, that doesn't need to be didn't need to be going on doesn't need to be going on and and uh, you know we got to got to get it cleaned up and so right. the intent is is correct some some of the, man some of these things that they're doing though just make me scratch my head but, yeah um, I mean it's 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 it, it, the, the one of the part that really you know makes me mad is the no judicial system right um you know it's it's oh we found you a positive uh you have to you have to um you know send all your horses to another trainer and uh we're gonna find you five thousand dollars due tomorrow but you had no due process yep it is uh it's brutal so i mean look at mac robertson you know he got slapped with a two-year band 
and um, you know, find he had to give all of his horses up. And a week, week and a half later, they came out and they were like, oh, sorry, the split sample came back negative. You're good. You can start training again. And he was like, well, my barn's empty. What do you want me to do? There's just, there was just no due process. Yeah, that, that's that's the certainly the biggest thing. They've got to figure out a way to fix it. Yes. Um, they've got to figure that out. Uh, yeah, and, and the folks that are that go through the due process and they're guilty, ban them for life. Hell, you yeah. know, uh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, not if it's egregious, you know, and and you know, obviously there there are things that happen that are mistakes, uh, but you know, it's it's not that difficult. Most people know who the most people know on the backside. They know they know who the dirty folks are. It's not that hard to go go oh, figure absolutely. that out. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Yep. So um, again, think, think, what are some of the favorite horses that, that you've trained over the years, either at the farm or when you were an assistant uh, with, uh, with those other guys, who, who are some of your favorite horses you've been around? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of them. You know, when I was back working for Owen Hardy, there was a horse named do it all. Uh, he was, he was just a cool horse with a lot of personality. I got the scars to prove it, but he, <laughs> he just, he has a lot of personality and you know, he was just fun to be around, but he would never try to hurt you. He was just such a big horse that he would, but yeah, he would, he would play games all the time. Um, there was a horse named point given. Uh, oh, yeah. He was, he was pretty cool or not point, um, point guard. Um, okay. I was yeah, like, point was, given. That does sound pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, point guard. He, uh, he was a distorted humor cult. But he was just, you know, I was on the track. I was at the race, and he's actually, I didn't even mention that. So, so point guard, you can look him up. He's no longer with us. But point guard is the reason that I got into breaking horses. Um, that horse by himself was the reason that this is what I wanted to do. Uh, so I was at the track, and Owen. You know, I love Owen. Owen's a great guy, but he was like, I, I really don't have time for this. And, you know, you're my foreman. I want you to just re-break this horse. I don't care how you do it. I just want you to re-break this horse. And he was, he was just so poorly broke. It was, it was incredible. Uh, I mean, he couldn't even walk, you know, this horse was at the track and he couldn't even walk on a shank, you know, and, and he would just do just do some weird things you know you would just be walking him and he would actually go good and then he would try to strike at you you know he'd try to rear up and and get you on the head with his front feet and um you know he was just so so poorly broke so poorly managed that this is you know that's that was kind of my wake-up call you know i said uh, i want to change this for you know people at the track i wanted this to be better and uh, that's actually, we moved to Kentucky about uh, a month later after we had that horse. And, um, but he was a cool horse. And it, that was one of the first ones that, you know, somebody said, you know, here's the reins, take it, you know, just re-break re this horse completely. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Kings Barnes, he ran in the Derby this year. Uh, he was a really cool horse to be around. He was awesome. He had a lot of personality you know, never really missed days. And he was, he was just a joy to train. And, you know, we had a, we had to switch up his training styles quite a bit. So, I mean, as you can see, the, the horses that you have to spend the most time with are the ones that you hold more dear in your heart. Right. It's, it's, it's not the horses that just go out and do their job and, you know, just kind of wheel around there. And even if they're good horses, 
you know, it's the horses that, you know, have that personality that, you know, that you have to work with, that you have to figure out that hold the dearest in my heart for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a horse, uh, I remember back at Margo, can't remember the horse's name. I, I can picture exactly what he looked like, but the owner came out and he said, what do you think? And I said, this is the coolest horse I've ever <laughs> been around because he tries so hard every day, but he is so bad. <laughs> and the owner just kind of looked at me and she goes what are you talking about i said this is this is the worst horse i've ever trained he is so slow and he just <laughs> but but he would go out there you know he would go out there with the stakes horse and he would lay his life on the line just try with all of his might you know it's it's kind of like that little scrawny nerdy kid jumping in the ring with a you know a, a, a jock linebacker who's like i got this <laughs> right and you're just like, yeah, you don't, I, but, <laughs> but yeah, and just, has, and just has no idea that he doesn't have it, you know, he's right. just, uh, completely yeah. oblivious. Yep. So she was like, well, I, let's just see. Uh, Ned Horse went to the track. He ran for maiden claiming 5,000 first time out and lost by 47 lengths. Oh, my called, word. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, but he tried the horse yeah. every day. He would wake up every day and he's like, let's do this. We're here. And I just, I really appreciated that out of the horse. And so, you know, we, we've had a few of those over the years that, that, that just, they'd run their eyeballs out every time, but they just, eh, just didn't have a ton of talent. Right. And then we've had others that had so much talent, but just wanted to go back to their stall and lay down and go to sleep. Yes. Those, those are the kind of horses that <sighs> I, I just, it's the horses that can't help themselves. You know, you just, yeah. Those horses are really tough to be around. You know, they're good horses, but. Um, oh, it's infuriating. <laughs> it is. It really is. Uh, we actually had a horse like that not too long ago. You know, he was, he was, he seemed like he was going to be a good horse, but he just never tried ever. And um, the owners, unfortunately, they paid 700000 for him. And yeah. he was the soundest horse that you would ever be around, but he just. He would just go out there with his ears up, looking at everything, just not wanting to run. I think he was a 20-start maiden, and they retired him. Wow. Mm. And I just, I mean, it just, it just goes to show you that um, this game is so hard. It is. Because of things like that. You know, you, you've got somebody that's you know clearly got – uh, you know, good people around them to be able to spend that kind of money. I'm sure they had good advisors and good agents and, and, you know, probably looked, looked every, looked all the part physically. He had all the pay, uh, pieces on the page and, but you, there's no way that you can look right. in between their ears and look in their heart and figure it out. And uh, man, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, we get it wrong sometimes, um, yeah. you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's well, if you got it right every time, you just uh, you know, it'd be everybody be doing it. That's right, so. yeah. So, well, if you're so against uh, highs and aside, we talked about that. So, you're king for a day in the sport of thoroughbred racing. What are one or two changes that you you make? You can you can just bang your gavel or your scepter or whatever you can, I guess, a scepter if you're the king and um, make it some changes. Um, what what would be one or two of those changes you'd make? Make a lot of people mad about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make a lot of people mad. So, mm, the the problem 
I think with the breakdowns and everything like that, it's, I think it's a surface more than anything, to be honest with you. Um, and everybody wants us to compare us to Europe. And I don't, I don't like doing that, you know, cause it's two different surfaces. It's two different kinds of horses. I mean, if you've ever seen a European horse, uh, uh, what's that horse? Um, uh, that horse that you all have micro, micro microphone. Yeah. He's, he's, microphone, he doesn't microphone. look like the other horses. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at microphone, we had him here on the farm and, you know, he's a completely different horse than Oathbreaker. Um, you know, just completely. And that's a very American pedigree against a very European pedigree. But for for the sake of this argument, I am going to tout the European racing. So if, I mean, you look at Royal Ascot, it's a 10-day meet. You know, you look at the Kura meet, it's a 10-day meet. You know, they, they never run at a track longer than... You know, sometimes sometimes it's three days, you know, over at Nace. They only run three days. And then, you know, it's somewhere else. It's at the Cura or, uh, you know, it's at another Irish track for another five days. And then they go to another track and then another track. And it, and it gives the time for the surface to rebound, the time for the surface to breathe. Um, and it just makes a, a lot safer of a surface. Um, you know, because yeah, this is dirt. Yes, it is a natural surface, but what we are doing to the dirt, which we are doing to the natural surface is very unnatural. Um, you know, we have big, heavy tractors on it. We have big, heavy machines on it. Yeah. You know, at Churchill, you know, we have a six week meet at Churchill, you know, the Derby meet, it's a six week meet. So you got to think there's 2,800 horses going on that track every day. And then they're getting big tractors on it. And then they're getting big machines on it. And then they do that all day long. How, how hard do you think that track is? I mean, it's got to be just a rock uh, by the end of the meet. Um, so so if I was king for a day, I would change it. You know, in the, in the wintertime, you can't really do it. I, I understand that. I get that. But, you know, in the summertime, between the months of April and uh, November, you know, if we did a week at Keeneland and then a week at Churchill, a week at Ellis, a week at Turfway, and then come sure. back, you know, Churchill or something like that. You know, just given, given the time for the surfaces to rebound instead of just, just beating it in every day and then saying, well, I don't know what's wrong with it. That's what well, I was saying. And, and your point about Churchill is, is, I mean, it's spot on too, because I mean, man, they, they tighten that track up for the Derby. Right. I mean, it, it is, it's like, it, it seems like you run on concrete. It is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So in, yeah, I, I, and I understand that some states don't have that luxury, but you know, if, if, so, so like Minnesota, Minnesota only has one track. Minnesota holds a dear place in my heart. I love that place. I go up there every year. I, I would never miss it. So, um, but they run a, five month meet and, but they don't, but they don't have any other tracks to go with, but what if they were to, you know, run a week on that track and then say, Hey, everybody's only training on the training track this next week. And the track just sits, nobody touches it. Nobody grooms it. No tractors go on it. And the weather just hits it. And then the next week they come back and say, Hey, you're on the main track Monday, Tuesday, we race Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, the, the track at least had time to breathe and aerate, you know, naturally sure. uh, rather than, 
up there, they, they float their track after every race, you know, so it gets harder and harder and harder. And uh, Churchill, you know, it's kind of the same way, you know, at the beginning of the meet uh, during Thurby week, uh, you would see the six furlong races running in 110 and change, you know, something like that. 110 and change for allowance races. At the end of the meet, they're running 110 and change for five climbers. You know, they're, you know, those, those allowance horses are running 108 and change. So just because the track has been beaten down so much that it just keeps speeding it up and it's like concrete. So if I was king for a day, that's what I would change. I would, I would say, you know, we have boutique meets just constantly and rotate them, rotate, Rot you know, or, you know, even, even if that's not feasible, you know, you, you run at Churchill for two weeks and then you run at Ellis park for two weeks and then you come back to Keeneland for a week. Mm -hmm. Um, to where they still have their six weeks throughout the year um, rather than in succession. You know, that's the biggest thing. And then at that same time, what you're doing is you're spreading um, the pool of horses as well. So right. instead of having 2,800 horses go over Churchill every day, now, you know, a quarter of those horses are going to be stabled at Ellis Park. And so, you know, you're getting rid of, uh, you know, three, 400 horses that are going over that track every day. And so it's kind of spreading out the the dispersion as well and, and going to help that track out quite a bit. I like that, Kevin. I, I've asked that question for every guest we've had on, on the show. I've asked that question, and that is the first that I've heard. The first anybody said that, and I, and I, I, can't, I can't find fault or argument with that at all. Right. So I and like it, yeah, even if you were to pull in, you know, Indiana, because Indiana, only it's only one track. But, you know, the problem is that private organizations own all these tracks. And we know how private organizations are. Mm -hmm. But um, so they just don't want to give up power. You know, Ellis Park's owned by one person. Churchill's owned by Churchill. Keeneland's owned by Keeneland. You know, Turfway is owned by Churchill. Churchill? Churchill. Yep. And then Indiana is owned by Caesars. You know, if you were to wheel Indiana into, you know, that five week kind of journey and, you know, you just you're, you're getting, you know, big pulls of horses. Yeah, horses do have to travel more. You know, I, I kind of understand that. But, um, you know, at least you're giving the surfaces more time to rest. Well, and on that topic, too, like with Churchill's issues with its grass course, Kentucky Downs runs once in a great blue moon and they have some of the best turf you know, courses, period. It's just never right. used ever. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's another conversation. I had that conversation yeah. with Mark yesterday. <laughs> it was about a 15 minute conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, I think that is one answer. I don't know if it's the right answer, uh, but it's been working for Europe. Um, yeah. you know, I hate when people compare us to Europe, but you know, if, but you make a good point. Like change does have to happen because we can't sit here and stare at what we've been doing and claim it as a success. I Correct. think we can comfortably say that. Right. No, yeah. I like it a lot. I think it's. I think it's. It's a. It's a neat. It, not. I mean, not neat. It's not the right word. It is. It's a. It's an it's interesting. We can say innovative. Proposal, innovative <laughs> solution to a problem that has to be addressed, and right. um, I think it's as good as anything that I've heard so far. Right. But I mean, everybody's having trouble filling fields too. Like, yeah. I mean, something's got to change. And yeah, you can have it to where, you know, Keeneland is still putting out the same purses uh, for that week. 
you know, if they were to divide it up into six weeks and that week, you know, if they're giving away, what do they give? 700,000 a day or something like that. If you were to give that 700,000 a day, you're still going to get the best pool of horses. And then, you know, so your five claimers, yes, they're still going to run up at Indiana or your 10 claimers. They're still going to run at Indiana. Your 15 to 30s are still going to run at Ellis Park. Your allowance races are still going to run at Churchill, but you're still breaking it up to where you're hitting those tracks every 30 days or every, you know, 45 days, you know, to where people are comfortable running horses anyway. So, I mean, why not? Why not give it a try? Yeah. I don't have the pool. I don't have the pool for it. (laughs) And I'll make a call tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it would, it would be, you know, it, it would be up to the racing commissions, unfortunately, because now the racing commissions don't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, pool or say, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the, with the, you know, HISA deal. So all the commissioners are basically owned by HISA anymore. They were, they were elected officials, but they're not really elected. Yeah. They're placed. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I, I think that's, I think that's great. And uh, we have, we have done it again. We've almost gone an hour. Uh, so our goal of the, as we always do, we've, we've overshot and, uh, and that's okay. Cause that's been, that's been some good discussion and, and, uh, some interesting, in, interesting, uh, interesting ideas floated out there. I like it. So, <laughs> so Kevin, thanks. Thanks so much for taking time out of your, your busy day. I know, um, I know Liz is probably waiting for you to, you know, do something with the, with the youngin or get dinner on the table or something. So well, get dinner on the table. Yeah. <laughs> get dinner on the table. Before she gets mad at us, uh, Go, go go do what you got to do there but uh, again thank thank you so much for joining us and uh for sharing with us and uh, uh giving us your insight and uh, and i'll probably see you on saturday morning when when our horses are working sounds good and thanks for having me yeah. on it was fun thank you yes thank yep. you patty take us home yeah so thanks everybody for tuning in this week. Uh, we see all your support. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure that you are subscribed to any of our channels. All of our social medias are under Pocket Aces Racing. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube, that you've hit that bell to get the notifications. And make sure that you're leaving us reviews and any commentaries that are available um, on Spotify, on the Apple Store, on whatever you know area you choose to listen to the podcast. And we're going to keep it nice and short since everything else went long today. And as I always remind you guys, have a happy Wednesday, have a good Wednesday, make good choices, and the podcast is out. <laughs>